Being at a company, I love mission, vision, and strategy. Being able to start from like kind of a blank sheet of paper and think about, okay, where do we want to go? What do we want this to be in 10 or 15 years? And how are we going to get there? I just love seeing the light go off and people get it and are inspired by what we're doing. Welcome to Wolf Greenfield's Alumni Podcast. In this first episode, we'll be speaking with Alex Ewing. Alex was an associate at Wolf Greenfield from 2011 to 2015. Now he's a Wolf Greenfield client. Alex is the chief operating officer at LiquiGlide, which was founded in 2012 and born out of an MIT lab. LiquiGlide's mission is to revolutionize products, packaging, processes, and patient experiences by eliminating the friction between solids and liquids. Alex, thanks for joining us here today. Tell us a little bit about your day-to-day life at LiquiGlide. And actually, let's start with a little bit about the company. We're an early stage company in Cambridge, Massachusetts, right on the edge of MIT's campus. What we do is uh, we design coatings that allow viscous liquids to slide over solid surfaces. I feel like I can use the word viscous confidently on this particular podcast, knowing that 80% of the people listening to it are probably PhDs. But for the rest of us, think of the ketchup bottle problem, ketchup sticks in a bottle, but we have uh, enable coatings that would allow it to, to slide out. That's what our technology is. We just had our first launch this year with uh, with Colgate. We put out a brand in partnership with Colgate called Elixir that launched in Europe. It's done incredibly well over in Europe. Uh, Colgate has expanded it to Canada and also done a small launch uh, in the U.S. Uh, where you can buy our products at uh, Sam's Club or online at uh, Sam's Club and Walmart. It's toothpaste in a clear plastic recyclable tube. What about that transition a few years back? What was it like going from working at Wolf Greenfield to then having Wolf Greenfield as a client? Pretty seamless, actually. The job is so, I will say, so different, though. I I joined the company as head of IP strategy and general counsel, and I knew that I was going to be overseeing a patent portfolio knew that I would be working on licensing and, and other types of agreements. But beyond that, really just learned kind of startups from a fire hose within, I think, four or five months of joining LiquiGlide. I was leading a fundraising process, which is something I'd never thought about doing before. And we were successful in that, raised about $16 million, and then got involved in all kinds of other aspects of the operation at, uh, at the company. Hiring, obviously continuing to see over IP and, and legal, but did a bunch of hiring, business development, basically everything except design codings. And eventually they promoted me to a COO. But very different from a law firm, at least in my perspective, where you have, at least typically have a pretty good idea of what you're going to do on any given day. In my world, you, just, you kind of get dropped in the jungle and you uh, figure out how you're going to fight your way out. I love that, though. So it's a lot of fun. Being a you know a law firm associate for long enough, you you get pretty humbled. Um, so like definitely empathize with people we're working with, and I do really try to avoid false deadlines, um, you know, false panic. And the folks I work with now, Wolf Greenfield, I love working with uh, Adam Zeiger, uh, Andrew Pinkard uh, are fantastic. Um, they get everything teed up for our biweekly calls, and I've been working with Adam long enough. I think we can just about finish each other's sentences at this point. He knows how I think about a lot of stuff, so everything's teed up, and we can usually work through decisions pretty quickly, which is great. And you'd also do some work, Christina LaCurcy, uh, over in the trademark group, and I'm sure they, they talk about <laughs> what a space cadet I am or something, but they're great because they keep, I know they're keeping track of everything, and I can call them up at any given point and say, hey, what's the status on this? And then we're, we're good to go. It's, it's great to be able to work with people you know and, and trust. Let me ask you a little bit about Liquid Glide, and you gave us a little overview at the beginning there. What makes the company special in the marketplace? Why are you unique? 
Well, we're the only company that has our, our technology. You know, viscous liquids sticking to solid surfaces is just how those phases of matter interact. We have the first technology that enables slip at the interface, or what we would say more permanent slip. If you think about creating a slippery surface, you can do that by putting oil in a frying pan, but it's temporary. What we're doing is stabilizing lubricants so that they'll remain stable for, you know, in the case of our uh, Colgate product, those products have a two-year shelf life. So we're creating a slippery surface that's stable over two years and through consumer use. Nobody else in the market is doing that, but we love what we're doing in packaging, have working on some other really exciting things in packaging. And then we also have a big focus in biomedical, and we've done a couple of uh, deals I'm really excited about in uh, biomedical. I can't talk about those just yet because they're not public, but see a real opportunity for impact on patient experiences um, and patient outcomes by enhancing the functionality of medical devices, by allowing for more efficient production of uh, pharmaceuticals and biologics that are often kind of thick and sticky. Think about the ketchup or the toothpaste problem. Those same type of issues are ubiquitous across industries, and we're trying to find ways to address them. So if I had to ask you something like, you know, what, what do you enjoy most about the position, especially where you're at these days? What would you say? Just getting to do everything. Being at a company, I love mission, vision, and strategy. Being able to start from like kind of a blank sheet of paper and think about, okay, where do we want to go? What do we want this to be in 10 or 15 years? And how are we going to get there? And then, you know, taking that kind of mission and vision and being able to talk to investors, inspire investors, inspire people to come work with you. I love recruiting. One of the things I would oversee hiring and I interview uh, every person we hire and I onboard every person we hire and making sure that they understand our mission, vision, strategy, making sure everybody's bought in. I just love seeing the light go off when people get it and are inspired by what we're doing. And, and then also, I just say like seeing our products out on the market is really cool. Something that we spent so many years working on and just having the relationships we built with uh, different people over the years and knowing everything that went into that product to see it out there on the shelves is, is really incredibly rewarding. The other thing I would say is one thing I've learned about myself, I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. So like uh, there's no shortage of that around here for sure. What at Wolf Greenfield prepared you most for where you're at today? Well, obviously, just working with really, anytime you get a chance to work with so many, you know, just incredibly uh, bright and talented people, that concentration of talent, you're always going to be better off, especially in IP at that level. It gives you a solid foundation for anything you want to do in the world of IP. You know, for me, working in litigation with, you know, Mike Grader, Michael Albert, uh, John Strand, Alan Rugg was one of my favorites who was there at the time, Greg Corbett, those guys, you learn how to think like a litigator. And that gives you, I think, a very practical kind of way to think about IP. So now overseeing a pretty big portfolio, we have over 30 issued patents at this point, and dozens of applications pending around the world. I always think about through the lens of, you know, how's this going to look in litigation? How do we craft claims that are going to be kind of practical and useful? So there's like the technical piece of it. I'd say the other side is at Wolf, I got definitely got a lot more client contact than I had at my the place where I was before. And that enabled me to kind of see what I wanted to do a little bit, like getting to work with clients, especially I remember on one case, uh, working with Greg and Alan, got to actually be friends with the GC and the CEO of our client and hung out with them quite a bit and got a sense for what they did. And I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And what if I could do something in, in business? What was your favorite memory at Wolf Greenfield? I'd say a couple. I got to do a Markman argument with Mike Grader in front of Judge O'Toole in DMAS. And our client was Athena, Athena versus ADP. That was awesome. 
really just love that experience and get to stand up in court. What I found is that like fundraising, pitching, and in some of these like investor meetings, that scratches a very similar itch <laughs> for me now. That was a lot of fun. That just kind of like on your feet, adrenaline rush kind of thing. And the other one would be probably roasting Greg Corbett at the summer soiree or whatever we call it now. That was a lot of fun. I don't know if Greg remembers that, but I thought it was fun. Any advice for your 20-year-old self? Yeah, just bet on yourself. Don't be afraid to fail. I think it's hard to have that mindset when you're 20 years old and you're in it and you're like up to your eyeballs in debt from school, but bet on yourself. Nobody else is going to bet on you if you don't. Take some chances. I actually got that one from Alan Rugg. He used to, uh, right before we'd file something or had a big filing go out or send in a big email to a client, he was like, how do you feel about it? I feel good about it. He's like, let it rip. So that'd be my advice to my 20-year-old self, let it rip. All right. What's your favorite book and why? This one goes back a ways for me, but probably The Sound and the Fury. And it was one of these, I didn't really even mean to read it. You know, it was in college. I think it was my senior year. I was taking the American novel. It was like one of these things you had to write on like one of three books. And I was down to the third one for this section. And it was The Sound of the Fury. And it was like Friday night. And I think the paper was due on like Monday or Tuesday. And I had like a pot of coffee and went into the library. And I was just like, our back's against the wall here. This has got to happen. And so I think a lot of people start that book and back away from it because the first chapter is written from the perspective of someone who's deaf, dumb, and mentally disabled. And it is super hard to follow. You have to just kind of keep going. But I just love the first sentence. It's like through the fence, along the curling flower spaces, I could see them hitting. Beautiful. I just love the way Faulkner kind of is like heartbreaking depiction of the human condition. Best novel I've read probably in the last like few years would be like Orphan Master's Son by Adam Johnson. Tree of Smoke by Dennis Johnson, not related as far as I know. Also fantastic. Alex, thank you for participating in the Wolf Greenfield Alumni Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Our thanks to Alex Ewing for joining us here on the Wolf Greenfield Alumni Podcast. We hope you'll join our alumni network to receive Wolf Greenfield's alumni newsletter and other alumni-related communications. For any questions about the alumni network at Wolf Greenfield, contact marketing at wolfgreenfield.com.